welcome back to the Dad and Rock Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Man, we're here again um, after a weekend here. And uh, how are the... Whoa. What is that? What the heck? Breaking news. What's going on here? Chris, we have some breaking news coming in. Oh, we're a news network now? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I see exactly what you're talking about. Oh, Bob Iger is stepping down effectively immediately. Oh, no, why? What did he do? Yeah, that's always the first thing. Uh, <laughs> it looks like nothing, actually. It looks like this was basically in the plans. Uh, he is not extending his contract beyond 2022. And since he went ahead and successfully launched Disney+, Plus, uh, they went ahead and you know, the acquisition of 20th Century Fox and everything. And he figured uh, this is a good time for him to take a step back and go ahead and let another Bob take over. Uh, Bob Chespick. <laughs> <laughs> Just full of bobs. We're just going to keep rolling the bobs. Yeah. And uh, he's been with the company about 27 years now, so he's a vet of the, of the actual company itself. Uh, he's been wow. running the parks. So yeah. he, he's, he, I mean, he's probably responsible for a lot of things, a lot of the improvements that are happening down there right now with Epcot, uh, the Skyliner that has happened already. Uh, even probably had a big hand in bringing Galaxy's Edge to the parks also. So um, it seems like it's in good hands. I mean, we, time will tell. I mean, Igra set, set the bar pretty high. I mean, they were probably in a... Uh, they were in a downward spiral before Agra took over, so he kind of steadied the ship and kind of launched it back up to the stratosphere. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, he's done a ton. I mean, he's responsible, or at least, you know, captain of the ship when they took over Lucasfilm, when they took over Marvel, uh, and they launched Disney+. Plus, and uh, I can't imagine uh, why he would want to retire after all that work. I guess, it may, I mean, maybe it's just an instance to where it's like, what else do you do? You know, it's like... Uh, Alexander the Great wept because there was no more worlds to conquer. Like, uh, <laughs> what else can he do? Well, I think there's a certain point where you gotta you can step back and kind of look at your work and be like, wow, okay, I can appreciate this. Now I can actually go and enjoy it rather yeah. than going and being like looking around and being critical and it actually being a part of your work. I'm sure he's loaded. I'm sure he's going to retire to his island. But I guess not for another, like, uh, 22 months or so. I guess he's going into some kind of transition mode. Yeah, he's going into uh, a new executive role. Uh, I don't exactly have that exact name to it. But, yeah, he's going to be a chair of another another committee. So he's just kind of taking a step back. And he's still going to have a lot of say in what's going on. It's just he's not going to be that main main person, the one that's going to make the final call and everything. So he's kind of doing the whole transition of power in a very uh, a very easy way rather than, you know, a, a power struggle, which I think has happened in the past in Disney when they've completely went in and fired people oh, yeah. and just kind of turned it over. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if Michael Eisner was that way or not, if that was an easy transition or not. Um, but, I, you know, he was the guy that, uh, before Bob Iger kind of took over. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that was kind of big news, especially, you know, considering the um, – bandwidth and kind of the footprint that disney has as a company these days uh they own hollywood pretty much uh they have a huge share in you know the streaming wars currently so uh for the um ceo the big boss to be stepping down at a point like this um you know it's it's kind of a big deal um i'm sure this uh the new guy the new bob what's his last name uh it is bob Chespec, Chespec, C H E C H A P E K. Wow, I even spelled that wrong. I'm looking right at it. Go figure. You know. Sorry, new Bob. We don't know you yet. So, do you think this is like, um, you know, Disney as a whole? It's new Bob's um, company to <laughs> to lose at this new point. Bob. I mean, you know, they're in such great shape as a company right now. Do you think uh, where do they go from here? Do they go up? Do they go down? Right now, I mean. I think it's just kind of hold the status quo. I mean, what what more can they really do at this point? I mean, their parks are thriving. I mean, right now, a couple of them are shut down because of the, you know, the coronavirus and everything. They're taking hits for that. But locally here, I mean, in online and movies and merchandise uh, acquisitions, I mean, they're going through the roof. There's there, They have not made a bad move in quite some time. So it's bound to happen. It's bound, something is bound to you know, kind of come up and be a, be a struggle for him, but it, it's hard telling what exactly that's going to be. Yeah, only time will tell. So uh, that's interesting. That's uh, kind of a way to open up our show this week. Uh, this news kind of came in late in the day today. We figured we'd, uh, you know, it's kind of pertinent to what we typically talk about in the Disney realm. God, we talk about Disney a lot, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, Disney, like like you were saying, Disney has its hands in everything. Yeah. From Star Wars to you know, Pixar to the parks to... 
I mean, you, you name it, it's out there. And they're, they're just kind of saturating the market right now between, you know, this happening, you know, Clone Wars coming back. They had, they had another big announcement that we'll talk about a little later. And, uh, you know, myself going to Disney, it's, it's kind of, it's hard, hard to avoid not to have it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's right in the front of your brain for everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, as we kind of move along here, one thing not owned by Disney is Star Trek. <laughs> uh, they don't have that. Uh, they don't have that universe yet, but only in yeah, time. In time, maybe they'll <laughs> grab it from Paramount. Uh, but yeah, so you and I, we've been talking about uh, the Picard show, uh, at least especially the first couple weeks of premiere in that second episode. Uh, we've kind of let it slip by the last few episodes. God, what episode are they on now? Is it seven, eight? I think they're on, they're on five now. They're halfway through <laughs> the season itself, so maybe it feels longer uh, yeah, you, to me than it actually is. Wow, that right there is very telling. I don't, I don't know if we need to go into much more detail yeah. for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we we kind of stopped talking about it because we're not big Star Trek people, but we kind of wanted to give a halfway point, and that's kind of where we're at now. Is it is it worth? Does it have your attention long enough to continue the season? And if you feel like you're in your episode seven or eight out of ten, uh, <laughs> that's not a good sign. No, not really. I, you know, I'll be honest. I'm still watching it, right? Like, you know, I make time to watch that hour every week, and that's actually that's kind of a big deal because, I mean, I love uh, Star Wars. I only watched the uh, latest Clone Wars episode just kind of prior to us hopping on here. Shame. It's just kind of. A, I know Shame. it's just kind of been a busy week. I haven't watched the premiere of Better Call Saul. I haven't watched uh, the latest episode of uh, The Outsider on HBO. There's a ton of things that I need to catch up on, but. Um, anyway, the, uh, yeah, so Picard, it's, it hasn't lost my interest. Um, it is kind of going in weird kind of directions where the plot kind of goes fast and then slows down quite a bit. I will say, you know, on Sunday morning, uh, I went out and grabbed breakfast for my wife and I brought it back to the house. And, uh, you know, as I, you know, unwrapped our, our breakfast and started to eat it there, I, I, I pop on Picard I'm like, ah, well, I'll just throw on Picard, watch some uh, Star Trek while I eat here. And as I'm, uh, you know, eating my breakfast sandwich, uh, uh, we start to see the opening scene of Picard is just like this guy getting tortured, <laughs> his eyeball getting popped out, um, him screaming, all kinds of blood and gore. I'm like, what the heck am I watching? What the heck is this? Yeah, that was, uh, I had to grip my teeth through that part of it. Yeah, it kind of grossed out my wife as we're trying to eat breakfast in the morning. <laughs> well, then you won. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the latest episode was, um, you know, kind of here or there for me, uh, kind of centered around um, Seven of Nine, the character from Star Trek Voyager. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about the latest episodes? I enjoyed this one more than I've enjoyed the other ones, and I really can't put my finger on why. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was just because it was more more action, more kind of going, uh, less kind of laid back. The other episodes have been kind of laid back for the most part. And I think that's the overall idea of the show. It's because, I mean, Picard himself, I mean, I think they're per- portraying him as, you know, either roughly 90 years old or right about that 90 year mark. Yeah. So he's not a young, you know, man anymore. He's not running around doing what he used to do. So it's a it's a whole different feeling that, and from what I've heard and uh, what I've read, is that's pretty much what they were going for. I mean, uh, Patrick Stewart wasn't going to come back for some for any other reason because he was like, okay, my character's to this point, this is where I am in my life. I kind of want that to be the feel of the show, right? And and uh, there's a, actually a show called uh, The Ready Room with Will Wheaton, which I'm a big fan of Will Wheaton. So as soon as I seen he was doing it. I started watching it and it goes in order of the show. So there's an episode that basically it's like an after show type setup. Oh, I gotcha. Kind of like uh, Chris Hardwick and the walking dead used to be. Yeah, exactly. So it, like the first episode, he sits down with like the writers and everything. They go through and explain things. They're talking about nuggets and things that he loved because there's an immediate, like he said, there was a, there was a scene in the first one that him and maybe a handful of people will like immediately appreciate because they were a part of it. Hmm. But they were also saying there's a lot of it that is is kind of applying to people that have no attachment to any of the others. Right. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that because, I mean, we have no attachment to the others. I mean, we may know of them and I know less than you do, but I'm actually enjoying it. And I think I'm enjoying it because it's – I love how it looks. Yeah. It looks amazing. Like, every time they go to that board cube, it looks like something straight out of a movie theater. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed the look of it. It's shot nicely for sure. 
It's funny. It's you know the uh, the look of it kind of reminds me of something like a Mass Effect or something. The way the the yeah. ship looks oh, at wow. the wrong Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not necessarily Star Trek, you know. But at the same time, like what a you know is the ship supposed to look like it did back in the '60s with uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy <laughs> running around? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there should be updates, right, to to keep it in the now. So I think that's the biggest problem. I think like actual Trekkies are having because it. It doesn't have that Star Trek feel to it. The big ship isn't there. The, the huge crew isn't there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, even the music at the very beginning, I've heard gripes about, you know, it doesn't even sound like a Star Trek show or movie. And the last episode I watched with uh, with Wheaton, it actually addresses the actual score that it opens to. And uh, there's a flute that plays in the very beginning of it, mm-hmm. which I would have never noticed. But apparently in the actual show prior, Picard had a flute and it was like a Romulan type flute. Yeah. And they start with a flute, like a piccolo. And then they go into, you know, where you actually hear all the strings play. Yeah. And basically it starts with the past with the flute. It goes through like all the, the middle of the actual score and it's basically the show. And at the end, they end with the, the piccolo again. So it's kind of the past now and then remembrance. Mm, okay. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool if you sit down and think of it that way on how you actually did a score. And I was like, I enjoy it because I don't have no connection to the old score. Right. But as soon as they changed a the score on the Star Wars, I was like, we kind of we, we knew it. We knew it immediately. Something, <laughs> something yeah. was different. Yeah. So I can understand the feeling that they're having with it changing because it just happened to us. Yeah, that's true enough. Uh, you know, from what I hear, you know, just kind of from the uh, Star Trek fan base, there's sort of this divide between what they consider old Trek and new Trek, which really kind of started uh, in 2009 with J.J. Abrams' um, new Star Trek, you know, with Chris Pine and everybody. So um, ever since then, you know, there's been um, more lens flares and <laughs> uh, more action, right, as a whole. Even, you know, from what I hear, Star Trek Discovery, the latest show on CBS All Access, uh, or at least the show that came on prior to Picard, um, it was more like that, very kind of uh, slick and action-oriented uh, versus sort of the old Trek, which was more cerebral. I mean, they got into adventures and they explored space, um, but there were a lot of episodes that uh, were very talky-talky, you know, not a lot of talking. Uh, there's some exposition in Picard, but it's really fast, like, you know, <laughs> blink and you miss it. They're just like throwing exposition at you constantly so they can get to the next action scene. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't dislike it. I'm definitely going to keep, I'm going to watch it through the end of the, uh, season one. I hope there's some sort of, uh, satisfying dramatic conclusion here with the, the story of basically Data's daughters and potentially the Borg and the Romulans. There's some sort of mystery. We don't have all the pieces yet, but uh, hopefully it comes together in a satisfying way. Yeah. That kind of leads me back to, or leads me to what happened to Bruce Maddox. Oh yeah. Like, why did that one lady like kill him? What does she know that led her to that decision? Right. Because that was that, that feels like a big like a big plot point that's, that's happening in the show right in front of us, and nobody knows besides that AI that he's now dead. Yeah, that was a heck of a way to end the latest episode. So I'm definitely you know looking forward to the next one, and like I said, I'll, I'll keep on watching because the mystery in itself is. Uh, interesting enough to, to kind of stay on board uh so yeah that's the kind of our update on picard our, our feelings thus far uh, as we kind of move closer to the end of season one here um back to our other star franchise when we talk about a little bit more uh there was actually a lot of star wars news that hit earlier this week and kind of over the weekend um there was this uh kind of mysterious project luminous that was uh, tweeted about and uh, kind of set out via the, uh, the official Star Wars channels. And uh, once they released that information, Project Luminous ended up being sort of an announcement for this uh, Star Wars High Republic, uh, this new kind of storytelling endeavor uh, across uh, mainly the the books from what I'm seeing so far, like the novels and comic books. Um, did you see the uh, the video that they put out on that? Yeah, I actually enjoyed that. I like how they took all these different, you know, you know, creative minds that have already been a part of the you know, Star Star Wars family and uh, took them up to Lucas Ranch and kind of sat them down and said, you know, this is what we're thinking, go. And they yeah. pretty much, they didn't give them any parameters. They said, you come up with something. You guys and you are our creatives when it comes to the novels and the comics. 
uh, what can you come up with? Yeah. If only they would have uh, sat down at Skywalker Ranch prior to the sequel trilogy and hashed out a cohesive story before shooting those movies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot more TV uh, shows when it comes to Star Wars than we're actually going to see movie. But, I mean, they're always going to try to go for those big money, you know, motion pictures, which I think, I mean, they, they said there's going to be a uh, hiatus. Yeah. But I'm hearing that there's already things and, you know, in the works and people pitching things that, uh, well, we'll see where that goes. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this here. I mean, they went in a direction which I didn't really want them to go in. I didn't want them to go backwards. So they went backwards, but they didn't go way back. Like they didn't touch like the Knights of, uh, well, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Uh, they didn't go that far back. So they went back 200 years. And they're basically launching it as a whole, like you were saying, comic book and book series. And I'm kind of excited about some of the authors. Like Claudia Gray, I have not read a bad book she's put out. I mean, they've been amazing books. I mean, two of them, Masters and Pregnants and Bloodline, are two of my favorite you know, Star Wars books in general. Yeah, she also wrote uh, Lost Stars, which is yeah. one that I um, enjoyed quite a bit. So, yeah, she's right now she's kind of like the premier Star Wars novel author. She's great. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's awesome. I like how they're doing the comics as well. So they're they're and they're going to do some like young uh, young readers. So they're going to be addressing the kids as well. And not only are they going to be doing it, but they're going to be separate books. So it's not like they're going to do let's just say Masters and Apprentice, you know, for me and you, and then redo it for you know a younger audience. They're actually going to have their own cohesive right. you know story, which is all going to run together. So everything's going to reference everything. And that's that's one of the things I love the most. I mean, a lot of people are upset about you know, Disney. They got rid of all the old stuff. And they went ahead and, you know, doing their, all, their own new thing. So I just got done reading a book called Galaxy's Edge Black Spire. And what I enjoyed the most about that is there's two characters that meant in a whole other book. And it goes back to Phasma's book. Oh. So these two characters, basically, uh, Fai Marathi is the rebel. And she is captured in... Uh, Phasma's book, mm-hmm. and there's another character up on you know the first first order, and she calls him emergency break. <laughs> he's Captain Cardinal, so he's all in the red, and he is torturing her to get not, you know, information from you know her about you know the rebellion, yeah. so he can get it on. But he wants to take out Phasma because he doesn't believe in her. So there's you know the internal you know conflict there, and then there's those two. Well, she convinces him to let her go. And then they turn him. Basically, he comes over to the resistance because he he's no longer thinking that, you know, First Order is right. I mean, he's been disillusioned. Yeah. And then the beginning of this book, you, you find out his real name. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But then you find out who he is. And your first reaction is like, holy crap, Leia's putting these two together. But I gasped. I literally I, – I, <laughs> and it was great because it was a whole other book. And that book played together with this one here. So they're cohesive. Everything's happening. Everything that happened in other books are happening. They're being referred to in other ones. So there's no book that is completely out there by itself. And if you're reading the books and you're keeping up with it, like like I am crazily, it's a point of enjoyment. Yeah. So the, I guess that's the same plan for this new High Republic era of uh, books, right? The kind of interconnectivity between the stories and the comics, um, the um, junior novels, the the kind of regular novels. Some of the other literature that's going to be coming out uh, around this era, which I think is kind of uh, kind of cool. I, you know, I, at first I was a little disappointed that uh, the, the actual movies and and TV shows weren't uh, associated with the High Republic just yet. Uh, I thought maybe it was kind of a little bit of a uh, like a wah wah <laughs> when it was just about the books. But um, you know, who's to say that these books won't eventually become Disney Plus series or, or movies, you know, there'd be characters that come out of these um, and uh, they'll be one of stretchy stories out because we do have, you know, we have a, a new era in the movies as well. We have a new trilogy uh, being concocted up. We have new movies being created. It's kind of very fluid when it comes to the news surrounding these new movies. It's they announce these things and then they kind of uh, the announcements end up getting canceled or changed and uh, talent behind the writing of these announcements kind of goes, whether it's the directors or the writers. Um, so, you know, everything's kind of up in the air when it comes to new Star Wars movies right now. 
you know, Ryan Johnson was announced as a director and a creator for a new trilogy all the way back, you know, like a week before The Last Jedi came out in theaters. And then The Last Jedi was pretty divisive. And we haven't heard any official announcement on those since. <laughs> so he went and did Knives Out, which was actually crazy popular. And they're planning on doing a sequel to that. So he's a little preoccupied. Then you got the, uh, you know, the announced the Game of Thrones guys were taking over uh, doing their own trilogy. This is when Game of Thrones was still, you know, hot, you know, before <laughs> that final season kind of cooled everybody off from it. Um, so, uh, and they ended up being canceled, uh, their work towards a new Star Wars property. So, uh, the movies, unfortunately, are in sort of kind of a limbo state, but uh, that's okay. As long as we have good stories in the comics um, and we have good stories coming to television, whether it be the Obi-Wan series, which has had its own difficulties here recently. Um, and uh, Mandalorian Season 2, I guess we'll be in good shape. So yeah, that's kind of the big news with this High Republic era um, of Star Wars. Um, and they, they put a video out that kind of gives you uh, a sense of uh, what the feel of this uh, new series of books and um, lore is going to be about. Uh, I, I guess, you know, how they kind of explained it is that it's kind of the peak of the Jedi, right? Uh, Obi-Wan had mentioned how for over a thousand generations, the Jedi were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Um, and a thousand generations, I mean, that's... Uh, that's a ways back, yeah. <laughs> that's a ways back, right? So for a long time, the Jedi kind of held their own and they didn't seem to be uh, a threat. I mean, the Sith were all but gone, right? Um, so they kind of kept uh, peace and justice and order throughout the galaxy. Um, which on its surface, uh, that, uh, boy, that makes for some boring storytelling, uh, a bunch of Jedi sitting around with nothing to do because everything's so peaceful. Yeah. Um, that can't be it. Right. So I guess the way they explain it is that, uh, the Republic, you know, it has its boundaries and outside of these boundaries, you essentially have the wild West where you're going to have your familiar star Wars tropes of, um, you know, bounty hunters and scoundrels and scum and villainy. And sort of uh, the way they described it as the Jedi that are kind of keeping tabs and uh, keeping the rule around these outside sectors are going to be acting more like Texas Rangers than Jedi, which uh, I, I thought was kind of neat. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think they, they showed one that was specifically had that Western feel to it. Uh, kind of walking around. He had his lightsaber on his, you know, his belt and kind of had the, you know, the... John Wayne kind of coat on. And yeah, that whole a bit field. more leather than we're used to seeing on a Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of got the feeling that the majority of it, though, is, I mean, they, they kind of went ahead and described it as, you know, their version of the Knights of the Round Table. Yes. So they're, they're kind of sitting there and they're, they're, they're doing their thing. And there's going to be, I mean, obviously, there's going to be the main Jedis. And I actually even caught wind of possibly a young Yoda because of the time frame. So, I mean, I'd be pumped to see a young Yoda in one of these books. Or, I mean, I, I have a feeling that this is, I think we're getting the tip of the iceberg. They're basically giving everybody that is really big into it, that loves the books and the comics, you know, the, the first look here. This is what it's going to be. And this is going to wind up on Disney Plus in some way. I've got a feeling they're going to they're gonna develop something out of this into a show, but who knows when that's going to be. They've got so much on you know, on their plate right now with Disney Plus. I mean, we've gotten you know, our Mandalorian stuff already, and they're working right. on two, but they have all that Marvel stuff getting ready to dump on here soon. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure there's going to be some fun storytelling to come out of it. Um, I, I, you're right. I mean, Yoda would be about 650 years old. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, a spry chicken, he'd be uh, probably uh, looking pretty good. Maybe still have some more hair on his head. Uh, but that would be fun, seeing like a Jedi Knight Yoda um, kind of in his, you know, peak. Um, and, you know, he's got, I mean, he's got to be around. If you're going to have a story about Jedi in this time period... Yoda was a Jedi in this time period yeah. and probably a pretty important one. Would you uh, think of the line at the end of it where it says, what scares a Jedi? Um, I mean, I thought it was a little reminiscent of, I mean, the Sith are typically kind of scary. So, um, you know, as far as their, uh, as their typical like ambiance, the Sith are typically kind of um, horrific looking. <laughs> are they? I mean, Darth Maul himself looks like the devil. So, are they scared of them, or do they just as ideologically don't agree with them? Yeah, I don't know. Kind of juries out on that um, because when they showed, you know, kind of sketches of what these bad guys would be, they kind of look like it's just kind of like typical. Halloween decorations to me. I, yeah, I'm not sure because, you know, I just have no point of reference. I'm sure maybe they'll be, you know, scary characters, but we'll we'll see how they go. 
Yeah, I'm kind of curious where they go with that because yeah, what what would scare a Jedi? There's got to be something out there that is so far out there that it's even going to shake them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I mean, we've gotten a little bit. I mean, there's those, you know, like they they're going to call them the Nile. The the kind of like the punk kind of like group that are going to be on the outside. Yeah, they described they, them like uh, like Vikings of the uh, Star Wars galaxy, which uh, could be kind of cool. They they looked a little. Um, they looked a little road warrior ish, uh, kind of like tatted up with some uh, mechanical implants and stuff. It reminded me of Solo. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It reminded me of that group that was dressed up towards the end of Solo before we seen uh, Darth Maul. You know, the whole basically last maybe thirty minutes of the movie. That's what uh, those characters remind me of. I don't know if they're pulling from that for any type of uh, inspiration. If they are, I'll tell them get far away as possible. <laughs> uh, I mean. And, you know, if, if this is a group that's going to be antagonists for the Jedi, I mean, what does that mean? Are they Force users themselves? Um, and if not, then how do they even keep up with the Jedi? How do they defend themselves? How do the Jedi just run right through them? Uh, for what I understand, they are Force-sensitive. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I mean, you can see one of them like a Twi'lek, yeah. uh, the one of the pictures I show you. The other one looks like maybe from like a Dathomir. So, I mean, that would make sense. If you're from, from Dathomir, they're all Force-sensitive in some manner. So, uh, that's my guess. I mean, and then that's just about a little bit that has been released. I mean, they, they let out a lot, but they let out a, a little about a lot. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. So, that's kind of the latest news when it comes to um, upcoming Star Wars adventures. Uh, stay tuned for that. I'm sure if we hear anything else in regards to the High Republic, Chris and I will mention it here on the show. Uh, but from that, we have more Star Wars coming your way. Go figure, more Star Wars. Yay! Yeah, yeah. So this week, Clone <laughs> Wars. <laughs> this week, uh, Clone Wars Season 7 premiered uh, with oh. an episode uh, that was pretty fun. You and I watched it. I watched it just oh. recently. <laughs> bad, bad, bad batch. Dude, I've watched it multiple times. I love everything about this Clone Force 99. Oh, yeah. They are my new favorite clones. Even though Rex is cool. Clone Force 99 is my group. So you guys may or may not know, Chris and I have talked about it in the past. Chris has watched the Clone Wars back to front. He knows the series very, very well. I've only seen one or two episodes, including this one. So I understand what kind of happens within the Clone Wars. I mean, it's a story that takes place in between two movies, right? So we, we know kind of the setting. Uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, some of the clone characters, though. I know there's Rex and Cody. Were those kind of like the, the main two um, clone characters in the show? For the most part, yeah. I mean, they had quite a few uh, other ones also. So Who was this uh, Echo guy that I kept uh, hearing about in this episode? He was basically Rex's uh, second hand. Okay. He was like side by side with him. And uh, I don't per se remember when it actually went down and he supposedly died. So, I mean, it's been a while since I watched it all the way through. I went through and picked out like 10 good episodes and kind of caught myself up with it before this one launched. Yeah. When it ended, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, what? I don't want to wait a week. I'm like, give me more. I, I, want ne- I never thought I'd say this. I wanted Netflix style. <laughs> I would have sat down and watched all the episodes in one day. And I don't do that. It is kind of tough considering, I mean, the length of them. Gosh, the episodes are only like 22 minutes. So yeah. as soon as you get into it, it just kind of stops. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love the, the way that they came into And they're like so brash. And they look, they're like, are they clones? And they don't realize, you know, I, I, they didn't explain it a whole lot. Why are they the Bad Batch? What happened? Why were they like uh, developed differently than the rest of them? But where have they been? Yeah, that's a that's a good call. I mean, it, the dialogue in the episode, they just kind of say that they were mutations uh, during the cloning process. So they have some abilities that are a little outside of the normal clone, uh, the regs, as they call them. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I love this group, too. Uh, they reminded me anytime that you um, have a group of four characters that have kind of varying personalities that work together as a team. I'm thinking Ghostbusters. I'm thinking the Ninja Turtles. Um, I, I just love that dynamic. Um, I'm also thinking a series um, that was near and dear to my heart for a very long time, the A-Team from the 80s. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this episode and possibly if these characters kind of stretch into the remainder of this season, uh, this could honestly be a backdoor to a, a new series or a, a new 
adventure. I, I would definitely watch more adventures with these four. Uh, like you said, where have they been? What have they been doing? Will they survive Order 66? Will they, mm-hmm. because they have a mutation, will Order 66 hit them Even differently? Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, will they continue to be kind of soldiers of fortune during, you know, post-Revenge of the Sith era? Um, I would love to see that. What if they are like an A-team where they travel planet to planet on the run? And just become mercenaries? Uh, yeah, mercenaries, uh, you know, kind of helping people along the way with their their kind of uh, personalities. I love the characters, too. I mean, we only watched them for maybe 20 minutes, but already, like, I can't wait to see more. I loved kind of the leader of the group. He reminded me of Rambo. <laughs> yeah, he had a Rambo feel to him. Yeah, what was one of the names of um, uh, Sharpshooter or something like that or Target or I don't know. I can't remember the names of all these guys quite yet. But, uh, yeah, the, you had the nerdy guy. You had the, the, just the, the roided-up dude that's, like, you know, flipping the ship off of, uh, off of Rex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, he's not going to get Rex out of there. He's going to get the ship out of there. <laughs> yeah, it was it was excellent. You had, I think his name was Tech. He was the one that was kind of like Donatello, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, then you had, you know, the big dude, kind of the enforcer, who was also kind of like a joker, you know, always kind of uh, egging the other guys on, especially Rex and kind of the regular clone troopers. Um, you had the, like you said, the kind of the silent uh, sharpshooter. Uh, we really didn't talk much in the episode, but you got to kind of be an idea of what his character is all about. And then their leader, who was like this hunter guy, who his look was definitely based off of Rambo with his tussled hair over the bandana. Bandana, <laughs> yeah. The face paint. Yeah, I expected Stallone, like a Stallone impression from every time he talked, but I never heard it. Yeah, I mean, that, that was great. I loved how, like, the beginning of it, they were at each other's throats, kind of, or, like, uneasy with each other. And throughout the episode, they became more and more comfortable to the point at the end where they were, like, they were they went about their way. They was like, you know what, let's just go head in. But basically how they were, they, they fought in the beginning was all those, uh, those battle droids. And then those four guys just charged them and took them out. Oh, yeah. And I'm sitting back thinking, oh, man, that is everything I wanted from a clone trooper for so long. And we're getting it in cartoon version. Imagine if we got that on the big screen. Oh, awesome. Oh, that would be. I love it. That would be so awesome. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I was thinking about these things the entire time as I'm watching this episode. It's like you could have an, a show with live action. You could even cast them with different actors because they are kind of mutations. They don't really look like Tamora Morrison, who was, uh, you know, who played Django Fed and was the basis for all the clone troopers and how the other guys kind of, you know, all the clone troopers of the show kind of look like him or resemble him, the actor. Um, these, because they're, di- they're different sizes, they're different face shapes, you could get away with, you know, casting actually other actors in these parts. Oh, easily. Yeah, this is, I mean, they're almost spoon-feeding this to themselves. Yeah. If, they, if they don't realize what they have in this group, I, I, they can't be helped. I mean, they're putting them out there and they're promoting it. They're promoting it big. They're not. Cl- they're basically saying this is the bad batch. Yeah. I mean, you almost hear bad batch more than you hear Clone Wars. <laughs> That's right. And I think. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they're going to feed off that. I think these four are going to be a main part of of almost all ten episodes. I think they're going to be in it in some way because they're going to the second episode. They're, they're going with Rex and everyone to go find Echo. So. There is, they're already going to be there. So how far are they going to go before they say, okay, they're going to move on to whatever next suicide mission they have, you know, in place, which I like, they enjoy apparently. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed this episode the whole time. I was just thinking about the possibilities of these four in the future. Um, I was already creating my new favorite Star Wars show in my head that takes place, you know, as the Empire is rising and Darth Vader's out there killing Jedi and things are getting gloomier and gloomier and people are more and more desperate these four are out there, you know, kicking tail, t- t- taking names, and staying in secret. Uh, they would have to, right? They would constantly probably have to be on the run, just like the A-team. I mean, <laughs> uh, it would be awesome, but uh, I don't know. Kind of like a shadow squadron type setup. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I guess we'll just have to see how this all shakes out. But uh, as far as the first episode for the new season, I-, I enjoyed it. I love the look, too. They didn't get away from the look of the show. Yeah. They held they held true to exactly how the, the, the show looked. It felt... The opening scroll when it first popped up and you see Star Wars and then all of a sudden the crawl, the crawl of what's going to happen. Yeah, the old kind of old timey uh, news announcer still there. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, kind of giving us a uh, a you know kind of a recap of what's going on. Now I'm kind of curious if they're going to do it chronologically because the main show it was it was kind of scatterbrained. I mean, you I had no trouble keeping up with it, but there's plenty of websites out there saying watch it this way and they got it listed 
on like exactly how it goes. And I don't have that type of time. Right. I'm not going to jump around from episode to episode to kind of do that. So that that's the one thing I've seen out there is like, okay, is this episode two going to be episode two or will it be like episode five and then episode three? Will it be episode two? You know, kind of that type of feeling because they're already showing uh, Padme pregnant in the preview to next week's. Yeah, very interesting. It's going to be funny how uh, we're going to be able to keep track of all that. Uh, but fortunately, you and I have seen The Witcher recently, so uh, that had some timey-wimey stuff <laughs> with episode to episode. Maybe it'll good, be good preparation. Oh, yeah, The Witcher basically, yeah, had me kind of going, uh, where? <laughs> what, what's going on? I was I was confused at times. <laughs> but luckily, you kind of gave me a heads up saying, hey, you know what, just, just pay attention. It will all come together at the end. <laughs> So that's going to about cover it as far as uh, Star Wars this week. It's You know, it's funny how often we talk about it. We we do have a weekly show, and there are other things going on in the world. But sure as heck, there's a lot of Star Wars that comes up, too. I mean, uh, and we love it, so we're going to talk about it. Um, yeah, and if it's something new, we don't want that you know that new topic to go by the wayside yeah. and talk about it a few weeks later before you, know, you guys have already heard about it. Absolutely. So... Kind of moving on here, we wanted to spend a few minutes at least to talk a little bit about things that are kind of outside the uh, pop culture and, and media. Um, Chris and I are into hobbies, I guess you could say, um, that we wanted to talk a little bit about on this episode. And uh, the, the one that you wanted to bring up, and uh, you've been doing actually for a few years, even before your kids were born, and after your kids, uh, you're starting to do it with them, but uh, the whole hobby of of geocaching, which is something that uh, maybe a, a lot of folks that listen to the program here might not know about. Yeah, I kind of, I, I get a kick out of it. I remember the first time I showed you what it was, and we were walking down the street at a restaurant, and I'm like, dude, there's one right over here, and like, what, what's over here? It was like at 10 o'clock at night, and it was after we ate, and it was by like an old VFW, and it was like a big tank outside, and we walked up to this stop sign, and there was a magnet on the back of it that I knew was there that you pulled out and you go ahead and sign the log and you, you put it back and you go online and you say you found it. So it's, it's a big, like, it's almost like a, it's a, you know what the best way to describe it? It's a scavenger hunt. Yeah. So I have an app online on my phone and it goes ahead and it says, okay, these are all the ones in the area. And basically your phone will get you within a probably about a 20 foot radius of where it is. I mean, as good as you know, a GPS can get you right to a direct spot. And then you look around, you're looking for containers. So you're looking for anything as small as like a magnet or as big as like an ammo can. Wow. And and pretty much the app will let you know. Say, okay, difficulty level on this is a one. A container is a regular size container, which is like a Tupperware container. So you're searching around, you find it, you log it. And if they say this uh, a couple days ago, it was, it was actually really nice out here. So I took my kids out. Uh, Skylar, it was our first time going. And uh, what I wound up saying is we're going treasure hunting. And there was one right around the corner, which is actually a, uh, it's like a birdhouse. It's all in the tree. Tupperware's containers in it, so it stops any, like, birds from going in and out. Right. And we pulled it out. There was a bunch of swag in there. So the kids brought two toys. They dropped two toys in it. They picked out two. We signed it, logged it online, and went on to our next one. So we went and we looked for five. And we got pretty lucky. We found four of the five. And sometimes you can't find them because, you know, weather or something are gone. You kind of log on and did not find. But it's, it's a good way to get out. Uh, see areas you haven't seen for sure yeah and just kind of enjoy being outside and it's something that i used to do a lot of and then kids happened and work happened and really didn't have the time to get out and do it or the energy to do it man i'll tell you one thing my thighs the next day were burning (laughs) uh yeah i mean like you said it's a great way a great excuse to kind of get outdoors and explore parks and um, places that you've never been to before to try to, to find these little caches and it's uh, so fun to, to see, like, who else has found it before. They might leave you a little note um, or a little joke or something. And it's kind of neat to kind of check that particular spot, that particular cache off your list and, and move on to the next one. Um, it's almost kind of like a like a Pokemon Go, um, but instead of, you know, digital fake Pokemon, little animations on your phone, you have something tangible you can actually hold in your hand. Um, they might have, like, little trinkets and stuff and... Each one kind of has a story. It, it's pretty cool. If you haven't um, done it or, or you even heard about it, uh, it's something you should maybe check out. What's the name of the app that you have on your phone? It's just geocaching. If you go onto like either the Android store or the uh, iTunes app store and just type in geocaching, yeah, uh, it'll pop up. It's free. And then I actually pay for the premium version, which is like 30 bucks for the year, which is really nothing. Yeah. And it gets you access to other things. Like, for instance, say uh, when, we go, when we go camping, 
I have, I'm notorious for losing myself, my cell phone signal or my data. Oh yeah. Cause sprint is terrible. And I can go ahead and put a whole list on there and have it. So when I'm offline, I can just use the GPS and it can get me to where I need to go. Gotcha. So that's just one of, that's one of the positive things of having, you know, you know, the, the premium version, but yeah, you don't have to have the premium version. You can, you can create an account, you can go out there, you can search for them and it's really all free. So it's really just for fun. Uh, I'm kicking around the idea of actually hiding a regular size one and kind of uh, tying it to our podcast here. Oh. So our our geocaching friends out there will get maybe a business card that goes along with it. The the name of it would be the Dad in the Rock you know, Cache. Yeah. So uh, in the description that'll be online, it'll be all about the show and about you know why I went ahead and hit it, hit it with Zach and everything. So if I can kind of tie it together and maybe grab some listeners that way, I, mean, I figure it'd be it'd be a fun way to advertise the show. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, I'm glad you're taking it upon yourself to get that done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember when you used to travel, you know, you'd go to a new city and uh, be one of the first things that you would do as you're taking a road mm-hmm. trip is like walk around, you know, city blocks, finding uh, places, you know, whether you're going to like St. Louis or wherever you would travel to. Uh, I knew that was a kind of a big deal to, to be sure to geocache while you're in the new place. Yeah, you get a bunch of badges. So you get, like, say, for each state, you'll get one for your find in that state. Or there's certain days, like uh, like Earth Day, there, there are certain badges that you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say badges. Badges. Can... I give you badges. 99 cents. 99 cents. I'll tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get those badges at you know certain events. So there's a lot of things that you can get out there and do. And, I mean, the kids are great doing it, and they have a good time. And. I actually was reaching out to one of my friends, and her actual name on the site is Sarah Croft. I was like, "Really, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Croft? You got to be kidding me!" But uh, it's fun. I definitely encourage it. Definitely, if you have a uh, little ones, I mean, I wouldn't say too little, but if they're like three and older, there's plenty of them that are in areas where they're like just in like a hanging on a tree, or they're right in like a brushy area where you can kind of walk in, you can see it and get it. And they they get a kick out of actually being the ones I found. Like I can see it, and I'm like, look, I'll tell them to look somewhere, and then they their eyes light up, and they're like, oh, I found it. Yeah, and how fun is it to uh, for the kids to kind of leave their own trinket behind? You know, they get a little toy from you know the a bubble out of the quarter machine or just something tiny. Um, they can leave their own theirs too, and you know uh, that would be fun for them. Uh, to think of the people in the future that actually kind of find the treasure that they left behind. Yeah, there's and there's something that I haven't done in a while either. You can go on there and get what they call trackables. Yeah. And it's like geocoins or like uh, dog tags. And you log it on your site and you give it like a mission. And people will pick it up from the actual geocache and take it to another one and drop it in there and log it. And then someone else picks it up and takes it somewhere else. So you can see where you started, say, here in Dayton, Ohio, and it made it all the way to Miami or Los Angeles or overseas. Uh, people will take it from, you know, from spot to spot for you. Man, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great way to get out get out of your living room, for Pete's sake, and, and do some things outside. Uh, so maybe it's something you guys would want to try out, especially as we kind of uh, head towards the spring months, spring and summer. Uh, the weather's going to turn and get nicer. It's a great thing, great way to spend your time. Yeah, I'd say look me up. I'm, uh, I'm Team Sleepy. And I'll be happy to go ahead and, uh, you know, accept your friend invite. I mean, kind of kind of go from there. Sounds good. So, you know, the thing that I'm into mainly these days, uh, as a hobby anyway, is uh, retro gaming. Uh, started uh, a couple years ago. I don't know for folks that know uh, single board computers, but there's one called the Raspberry Pi uh, that's really inexpensive. It's only about $35 retail. Um, and there's a whole community around these Raspberry Pi units. Now, they're used in um, like automation and the Internet of Things a lot as far as just kind of, um, you know, people tinkering with um, robotics. And because they're so cheap and they're, they're fairly efficient, people put these Raspberry Pi units and everything. Uh, but as far as the retro gaming community, they use them to actually, you know, they load up old school retro video games, whether it be old arcade games. Uh, like Pac-Man and Galaga, uh, all the way up through, um, you know, like Super Nintendo games. Anything more than that, because they are inexpensive, they don't have, you know, the greatest of processors. So they're not going to run anything too complicated, right? But um, yeah, you can actually, they sell cases online. Um, I actually have two cases for these Raspberry Pis. Uh, One's in the shape of the Super Nintendo, the other's in the shape of the original NES system. 
um, to where, yeah, they, they connect with um, the uh, whole aftermarket controllers. They have Bluetooth controllers and USB controllers you can plug into these things and uh, play old school video games on them. So um, as far as where you get the video games, um, that's a little nebulous, something I'm not going to talk about <laughs> here on a podcast. Uh, the only thing I will say is Google is your friend. Uh, but yeah, but most recently, and you guys may have seen a picture of it. If not, I, I might post it on the Dad and Rock page. Um, there's actually a company called Retroflag, uh, which they created the Super Nintendo and the and the NES um, case that I mentioned earlier. Uh, they have a new one out called the G-Pi case, which is in the exact same form factor as a Game Boy, except it has a full-color screen that's backlit and a little LCD in there. And it runs off, uh, it still runs off AA batteries, uh, which kind of stinks. But I got rechargeable batteries to put in it, so it's not too, too bad. But um, apparently it says you can play PlayStation games on it. uh, But those, you know, the system performance isn't that great with games that go that graphically intense. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a big, I I honestly, I spend more time tinkering with these things than I actually do playing the games on them (laughs) because they're totally customizable as far as the menus and getting box art for the games and kind of entering in metadata and going through all the different themes that are available out there as a community. If you'd like to play some of the old games that used to play back in your childhood and, and don't know how to go about it, uh, it's definitely something worth getting into. Like, how long does it take you to go ahead and put one together? Not long at all. Like, in particular, this most recent addition to my collection here, the G-Pi case, the, the kind of the Game Boy clone, uh, they sell the case pretty much constructed. It's just the, the cartridge part, the back piece that would have typically been the, uh, the Game Boy cartridge. That's the piece of plastic that opens up that you would put this small computer board in, the Raspberry Pi, and then kind of put it together, uh, screw it in. And from there, it's all kind of software related. You, you flash a micro SD card with an operating system. And um, uh, sometimes it's called RetroPie. There are other ones out there called uh, Recall Box. And these are things you can kind of research. You can kind of Google and see how they're available. Uh, but they're sort of the front-end systems to kind of display lists of your, your games and, and pull them up in emulators to play them. Uh, but, yeah, as far as putting this one together, I don't know, about an hour. So not oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Also, I mean, time-wise, that's not taking you much. And, it, I mean... If it's thirty bucks and you're getting all the games that you used to play as a kid, I'll find that worth it. Yeah, it's uh, they they mainly come uh, you know fully assembled, so there's um, they make it fairly easy on you. Of course, you can get in depth and um, get in the weeds here as far as capabilities. Uh, I think my next project here eventually um, down the line, I'm actually hoping to move sometime this year into a bigger house. I would love to have more space to hopefully have a man cave. And uh, there are people that build full size arcade cabinets. Uh, stick a 32-inch flat screen in there, um, and then have uh, joysticks and buttons attached to this cabinet. I'd like to make my own. <laughs> so awesome! I'd love to have my own Dadnarok arcade going in my own man cave. Oh man, playing like either Turtles in Time or you know the original Mortal Kombat or Space uh, Space Jam or <laughs> everything NBA Jam. I mean, that's where I was going. NBA Jam, <laughs> Space Jam came out for some reason. Everything from I mean Pong all the way up through the latest releases on Steam. I mean stuff that's new like the Injustice fighting games, um, Capcom versus Marvel. Um, you know, stuff that's more graphically intense. Now, I would need something more than the Raspberry Pi, the little single board computer. Uh, so um, while I'm waiting to move, I think I'm going to be tinkering with my PC that I have connect- connected to my television currently. Maybe update the graphics card in there, get a better processor, kind of in anticipation of uh, building this cabinet down down the line. Now, see, that would be fun. I mean, I've played your, your Raspberry Pi unit. Uh, honestly, I was kind of meh. <laughs> about it. I thought I thought it was cool, but I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't overly enthused by it. But if you put together a full size cabinet, I mean, we'll be having pizza and popcorn. <laughs> I can see it's playing it for hours. That's uh, a, that would be that'd be awesome. That's gonna happen. You will uh, you will see. There will come a day where you come to my new house and we'll go down to the man cave and, and go to the Dadnarok Arcade and uh, play some Turtles in Time. The Dadnarok Arcade. I love the sound of it. You know, we're going to have to have a foosball table, too. <laughs> oh, that, that is pretty cool. I didn't know you had ambitions going full cabinet. Uh, I know that there are some uh, uh, cons out there, you know, Comic-Cons, that ha- actually has a company that come to them, and they do oversized cabinet, where it's like the actual cabinet is like 12 feet tall, 
and the screen is like a big 40 some inch TV screen. Oh, wow. And it, it's something like it's, it's outrageous. I think it'd be fun to go see, but I mean, it's it, predominantly, I think they go to the bigger cons. Yeah. So, I mean, we'd have to go to a Chicago or to a, uh, a New York or San Diego or someone to see one of those. Yeah. So, uh, those are just some of the things that Chris and I are into outside of podcasting, <laughs> which, uh, you know, uh, it, it's fun. Um, we diversified. Of, yeah. We're, <laughs> we diversified in our, in our hobbies, but yeah. So before we call in an episode, of course, we want to uh, tell our dad jokes of the week, something we started last week. And, um, I have a joke for you. you ready for it? Go for it. Hit me. All right. What is the least spoken language on planet Earth? What is it? Sign language. <laughs> oh, man. Really? Okay. Okay. You're, you're going there. Okay. Is that so not clever? That was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll hit you with this one here. If you're American in the living room, what are you in the bathroom? Um, I don't know. What are you in the bathroom? European. <laughs> Oh, waka waka. <laughs> Bada boom. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, they were both pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> our dad in the rock. Dad jokes of the week. I mean, if you if you guys enjoy our dad jokes, I mean, we enjoy them because, well, we're dads. <laughs> uh, hit us up at our emails. I'm, I'm Chris at dadnarock.com. And I'm Sean at dadnarock.com. Uh, keep spreading the word for us. Thank you so much. We've had quite a few comments and, uh, and ratings on the uh, on iTunes. So thank you guys. We appreciate that. The more you guys do that, the more visible we will be seen. Uh, we've had some actual downloads outside of the country, what? which has been pretty. It's been pretty exciting. We've had a couple in uh, Norway, and then we've had one in Germany. Wow, guten Tag. Yeah, yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> you got <laughs> you guys are spreading the word from us, and I think we had one from Mars. Because it says other. I mean, it gives me the full <laughs> world. And then it says other. Where are you? I mean, come on. Well, they're probably interested in our rover talk last week. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, bounced off of Mars for us. But, uh, well, I think that's a good spot for us to go ahead and end tonight. Uh, and that's a good, uh, that's Dad and Rock for the evening. Have a good one, guys. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> <laughs>